Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Celtic Now and for our podcast. My name is Ryan Clifford. Joining me again this week is Robert Boyle once again. Robert, how are you doing, mate? Well, good, Ryan. Thanks yourself. Well, I'm really good, mate. Obviously, the end of the season, so we're a bit of a sigh of relief. Hopefully, things are. Changing for the better. Um, obviously, we've got a, je- a guest joining us this week. Um, very, very successful author. Um, massive, massive Celtic fan. He's also doing Alan Thompson's new book coming out, which will be a very, very good book. Um, he's working very hard, so we really, really appreciate his time. Um, Jamie Boyle. Jamie, how's things, mate? Absolutely fantastic, mate. Thank you so much. Listen, I've um, last couple of weeks, I started following you on Twitter. Um, I think I went to Instagram and on Facebook and... Uh, you know, stick with it because it's not gonna um, it's not gonna happen overnight. It's like building an empire. But um, absolute pleasure being on here, guys, and I'm I'm gonna um, help you as a back you. And uh, you know, we'll get Tom on here eventually. And um, obviously, I'm gonna be doing another iconic um, member from the Martin O'Neill Seville side. I can't announce at the minute, and um, you know, maybe even get Martin on. But uh, well, you know, I'm a big fan of you guys, so thank you. The pleasures, man. Oh, that's, that's kind words, mate. Thanks a lot. Um, as we said before we come on, Thompson's one of your heroes, so if we get him on, it'd be, it'd be amazing. Um, obviously, JB, as you say, you're a big Celtic fan. Um, when did uh, when did the fan first start getting interested in Celtic? Was it through family or was it just through seeing games? Or I like a lot of people um, these well, days, it was the hoops, they like the hoops. I, uh, I, I used to live in Glasgow when I was very young. Uh, I think we're the only Catholic family whoever come from Brigton. Um, my cousin's um, a very well-known um, Rangers supporter, snooker player, Graham Dot, world champion. Aye, yeah, aye. Yeah. Uh, so I've always been fanatical with Celtic. My, you know, um, I used to live in Deniston, Hag Hill. Uh, my dad, you know, then we, we moved down to England um, and just basically, it, I've never known anything but Celtic. When I was a boxer, I used to box in Tartan. Um, I named my son Jameson Lennon after Neil Lennon. My dogs are Henrik, Colo, um, Georgie Samaras. My next dog will be a Tomo. Um, yeah, Celtic's always been the biggest passion of my life. Um, sometimes it's heartbreaking, it's inconsolable. But um, I, I've just been, I've de- I dealt with the cards I've been given as a kid. And um, I come from a very long line of Celtic supporters. I think it's it's very it's it's actually interesting you say that one of the only Catholic families living in Brighton, Robert, and you don't really hear that very often these days. No, I no. certainly don't. But I think as days go on, 
there was obviously Celtic fans moving down there, but back probably when Jamie was growing up, it was never heard of. You know what I mean? It was obviously yeah. back then. It was just a staunch Rangers area. You know what I mean? So yeah. it must have been tough, Jamie. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I I'm working now. Um, obviously, I've in the last <clears throat> the last four years, I've done 19 books and three documentaries. So I get a lot of trolls. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of abuse. Um, yeah. And these last couple of months since I've done the Alan Thompson book, I mean, I, I often joke to him. I said, you know, something. Tomo, I've never been so relieved to be started to be a sectarian abuse, you fat being and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and normally I get it, you know, for having a dodgy air court for writing true crime books, mm-hmm. controversial figures. Um, and, and obviously me growing up for England in, in England for most of my life, um, I, I used to get it really, really bad. You know, I grew up um, in, the, you know, the early 90s when there was Liam Brady, mm-hmm. um Oh, God. Wayne Biggins, uh, Lou McCarter, some really shocking times, and Celtic <laughs> were appalling. And um, yeah, the, it was it was terrible. And um, you know, no one really supported Celtic in England. Mm-hmm. And I was the kid with the Celtic shirt, would get abuse, you know. And, it, and yeah, so it's you know, it's um, it's very different now. But uh, you know, as I said, it's just. My dad was fanatical, and his dad before that, and you know, and my son is so. Uh, so we, you just basically support whoever your dad brainwashes you, washes you with. I think that's what you say is very true. But see, I was laughing here when you said this at Denny's stuff, but I was not laugh. I'm laughing like it's it's no right. You shouldn't be getting that type of abuse because you're doing somebody's book and because you're a Celtic fan. And I don't know, but it's it, it's no funny. But you've got to laugh at you've as Jamie says, you've got trolls these days. Even sometimes we get a bit of. Abuse because of the Celtic Celtic podcast, and I take it with a pinch of salt because at the end of the day, they must be listening to it. So for me, it's, it's that's interesting that they're obviously listening to stuff they're listening to, and they're sent their Rangers pals on a group chat. So, boys, there you go. <laughs> mm, I think yeah. it's society nowadays, it needs to change the whole fact that people can be so easily got at for abuse on social media, but that's a different, that's for a different day. I suppose you could talk about that for hours and then, couldn't you? It's just they just need to be. Realised that a lot of these people are just silly young boys. That's where you've got to look at. Yeah, it's um, anything in the spotlight now. Listen, guys, you'll get it. And uh, I started off doing books, obviously on Paul Sykes. Um, you know, I'm doing this Alan Thompson book now, and I always, I always joked to him and said, you know what, I would fucking do it for free, because you know, my biggest passions in life are Celtic boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Celtic predominantly number one in the world and uh, you know I've been typing Alan Thompson's chapter a day on his old firm mem- memories uh, <clears throat> and Alan Thompson played in 26 old firm games scored seven goals and was scored um, sent off three times um, you know and it, it was unbelievable I, 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 when, when I'm listening to some of his stuff and um, it's like I have to pinch myself sometimes because I think, you know, I, I would pay to go to an aim with Alan Thompson. I think mm. I'd fucking do this for free. And, um, you know, to listen to, to to some of the times when Martin O'Neill was furious with him and oh, and it's just like, wow. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a fly on the wall living the dream mm-hmm. for one of my heroes. And I know you guys are absolutely massive Alan Thompson fans. Um, like myself, I'm a huge, you know, John Hartson, Sutton, 
And it's like, wow, have I really got this job? I, you know, because I started off as a hobby and um, now I'm a professional writer, but sometimes I have to think, I would actually just do this for free. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, and, it's, and, and you know, it, it's just a passion. It's, it's interesting that you say you do it for free because obviously I've been to a few speakers nights with, with Alan and, as I said before, with Maury, he's an absolute gentleman and he talks away at you, had a drink with my dad, I was like, my dad's obviously a big fan of you, he's, I, I kind of grew up in your era and, and I think Robert's the same, Robert, you grew up in your era and today's book, I don't mind going to speakers night, some of the stories I heard, I was like, Phenomenal, but Robert, some of the stories you must have in the book, reading that and writing it must be like, I need to stop writing here to have a laugh and I, I can't look myself here because there must be brilliant stories, Robert. He's a total character, but out with being a total character, he was an absolute brilliant football player. He was an absolute mm. match winner. He always come up with important goals, whether it be Europa League, Champions League, old firm games. He was just a guy you could rely on. I get sent out three times against Rangers, but I think that's the passion that's lacking a lot of the current mm-hmm. players. I think you need... I don't. I would never take that out of any football player in the world. If they've got that passion, let them express their passion. And it's few and far between with guys like Thompson and what I wanted I left out of had. <laughs> yeah, um, John Robertson describes it in the book as... Um, what was it he said? He, he, had, he had to literally... He was as good as Beckham, but obviously not as... Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, um, all at high profile, but he yeah. was the opposite to Beckham. Very similar as well. Um, you know, Thompson wasn't like a Ronaldo where he would beat three players. He was more like Beckham where he would pass it and move it and manoeuvre the ball. And, uh, you know, you're talking about the, the, the seven goals against Rangers, um, Robert. But remember the big games? Remember his goals against Bayern Munich? Bayern Munich, are we in Munich? Um, for um, Leon, I think it was. Uh, Go against Liverpool in the UEFA Cup under the wall. Yeah, stuck out away. You know, he was just a player yeah. that um, he was. A, you know, back at that time in the Martin O'Neill era, there was fuller. What what we're lacking now in the Celtic team is it was full of characters. It was full of big personality, and um, you know this. There's, it's listening to him. I mean, I recorded him. Um, I spent five days with Alan and uh, I recorded him for 19 hours, 10 minutes. And, um, you know, from growing up in Wall's End um, to, you know, because it has not been good. Yeah. You know, he's had, he's had his struggles. Anyone who's read the daily record for the last couple of, couple of years, he was sacked at Celtic. He's had his... Um, you know, I, I can, I can probably, I can't go into it because he'll kill me. But um, you know, it's it, it's well, it's well known that you know he's had his battles with alcohol, mm-hmm. um, divorce, depression, being mm-hmm. suicidal, and um, you know when I when I first started with the book, I said, look, we don't have to put everything in here. Yeah. You can, you can, um, you can remain a bit, a little bit. You know, not everyone needs to. And it, it, to be honest, fair play, the guy. Because he's just, I don't think there was anything he didn't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've written, I've read a lot of books. And, um, you know, uh, what I mean, what we said before you record them was the books that really, um, like Stephen Gerrard, we were talking about, the books that really do well in life, 
uh, regarding football, I like your Paul Merson's book. The battling about your yeah, addictions and the, and this is very much Alan Thompson's, isn't it? Yeah. It's not all about scoring thirty yard free kicks in the top corner against Rangers. Um, it's up and down. It's it goes through it. Um, I dare say maybe even being sacked to Celtic is probably giving him post traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. Um, but he what a player! What a I'm absolutely utterly honoured to. Um, to be able to write Alan Thompson's, I have to, I've had to probably pinch myself for a couple of months, and I, I just want to. I have so much time and love for the guy, and I want to really, you know, do his story justice because obviously it's going to put my career. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm I'm negotiating with another well-known guy um, from the Maroney era Seville run, um, and then who's to know? You know, it it could progress from there. I've said to Tomo, I would love to do another book with him. On um, on a on a book called um, just basically the ins and outs of Celtic, you know what mm-hmm. what it means to train every day. To you know, he's told me stories that you know getting dog shit in the post. <laughs> Neil Lennon got bullets. Uh, Tom Oak got yeah. feces and stuck the fog roll on. So you know the ins and outs of the old fan player. People think that it's it's glamorous. It's mm-hmm. it's it's all glory about. This being, it's just not. It's you know, this has an effect on your life playing for Celtic Orangers, for that matter. That's that's something. Well, me and me and Robert kind of spoke about this year that some fans, obviously, because we spoke to an ex-Celtic yeah. player, Sam Wardrobe, and he was saying like people don't realise sometimes off the park if it's not going well, you don't perform on the park, and I think maybe seen that this season where Shane Duffy and stuff, he's had a lot of issues, and fans don't realise that. I know. It's not always, you can't always put it on that, but most of the time, if you don't do well off the park, mentally, you can affect on the park. And and I do agree with what you're saying. Me and Robert spoke about Robert Huntley this year, that sometimes that can affect, it might affect players this year, all that happened when about Glasgow, living in the bubble with the pressure of 10, having fans at you all the time, your Twitter's full, your Instagram's full, your Facebook's full. Sometimes now I'm taking a step back and thinking, maybe we, sometimes you can be a bit harsh on players, but some fans don't realise that sometimes that can affect them more than it actually does look like when it's in the papers or when they're about you might think they're all right and really they're no. Hundred percent, man. I'll tell you a true story. One night, me and my mate were out of town years ago, and I bumped into Aidan McGeady. Going to my mate, I said McGeady, and I asked, "Squam, talk to him." And up there, all right, Aidan, how you doing? And he looked at me, and I went, "All right," and he went, "Sorry, do I know you?" And I said. The dad was my English teacher, blah, blah, blah. Woke away and they went, look, I'm really sorry there if I sounded off to you. And I went, no, no, don't worry about it. I says, understand. They went, mate, I don't know if you're coming up to shake my hand mm-hmm. or you're going to give me a slap in the face. And I thought, see, after that, I thought, how must that be? As much as it's calmness being a football player <laughs> and having a limb light, but can you imagine no knowing if somebody's going to hit you mm-hmm. or shake your hand and a night out with your friends, it must be a nightmare to actually say, can we get the night? Oh, I don't know, because maybe Celtics had a good result against Rangers. What if we get a fact that people on the team? What if we do that? Can we go there? Can I go out for a meal with my missus? No, I can't do that. It must be limiting your lifestyle, if you know what I mean. As much as you've got that one light, you've got that money mm-hmm. and a good lifestyle, you obviously have to check every single thing you do over and over. Is that a good place to go? Is it going to bump into people here? It must be a total nightmare. 
That's, um, that's something Hang me says. I know he's a Rangers player, but I think Barry Ferguson says that on, I don't know if it was on goal, he said the Simon Ferry, he says, or it was on that night at the Coupon Show, he says that one night, I think Rangers beat Celtic or something, and he says he went out for a few and he ended up in a fight or he was arguing, he says ever since then, he went, I'm never going out in a, a Simon's game again. He says, no matter if we win, lose or draw. And I agree with what we said before, these days players used to be able to, maybe Robert, Jamie used a bit older than me, so years ago players might be able to sit with the fans in a pub, no bother at all, have their laugh and joke, see you later guys. And that didn't hit, when they win the papers, when they've been answering, now again, it's a 40, or oh, I was out, I was out the night with him, and players must be, I think players, Jamie must just go to the local or anything, because they must be scared to go to town, because they're exposed in the bubble, and I think it's true what Paul Lambert says, Jamie, that I understand why, Say he's tipped to go to Celtic. Joby says I want to come back to Glasgow because of the bubble. It's too, it's too hot and it's not really nice sometimes. And I can know because obviously we stay in Glasgow. You can understand that because it's funny when you go abroad, Jamie. Mm-hmm. And people ask how's your rivalry, and you're like, just leave it, mate, because you don't understand it. I can explain to you, but you don't really understand it. The full Glasgow festival. It's the same for Rangers players. It's very hard to stay in Glasgow, and that's why I think, as he says, we miss the characters. Because I think you need to have that character to play for either side of Glasgow. Yeah. Um, well, listen, Alan Thompson was um, it was an international player. He played for some big clubs. Uh, Newcastle, Leeds, uh, Aston Villa. And, um, you know, he, he, in the greatest of respect, he could, he could play for Aston Villa and go out in, in Birmingham um, and do you know sometimes people wouldn't know him now? Yeah. Quite recently, last, <clears throat> last couple of years, he's been mobbed, and his missus, uh, Haley has just been like, I could not believe it. Um, he's been literally mobbed, as in, uh, all good, very positive, but he's also had the bad side, like really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously they'll be in the book, and uh, you know. Grown, playing in England, you know, Neil Lennon, greatest of respect, he would have been, he was a very, very good player, but, you know, he played for Crewe, he played for Leicester. He wouldn't have been what he was unless he come to play for one of the yeah. Glasgow's big two. And, uh, you know, p- picking the name for this book, I said, you know, because he was, Tomo was, you know, we were thinking my left foot, um, there was a few things he was thinking about, and um, I said we, we come with Geordie Boy. Geordie Boy, obviously Newcastle, and Boy was obviously meaning the the millions across the world are going to know. Yeah, and uh, you know it's it, I, I get a little bit of it, obviously, um, but can you imagine playing for? Celtic Orangers, you know, could you imagine what Kenny Miller went through, Mo mm-hmm. Johnston? Um, you know, it's no surprise that most of the players live 45 miles away in Edinburgh. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. that Glasgow mentality, that Glasgow goldfish ball, it's non-stop. And, um, you know, I always, I always remember growing up in England and um, we, we, we would get smashed 4-0. McCoy's Haley would come to Celtic Park and um, Lee and Brady would be getting beat, and uh, <clears throat> we'd be getting beat 4 0 on a Saturday. And then on a Sunday, he'd be commentating on Italia, Italian Channel 4, like nothing had happened. Mm-hmm. And now people have just they're locked up, 
they've just beat the missus up because Celica and Rangers is their life. This is people's, yeah. you know, I mean, you've got to live in Glasgow to really understand that mentality. And, uh, you know, I'm typing the Alan Thompson Celtic and Rangers chapter at the minute. And he said, looking back now, I didn't quite grasp how big it was. Mm-hmm. Looking back as a 47-year-old man, it's even bigger now than what when I was playing. And, uh, you know, not all players can handle it. Um, you know, I'm just trying to think of some of the players that they've, they've played, really, really good players, and uh, playing that old firm game, it just game just passed them by. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, not every not every player can stand in the trenches and uh, roll the sleeves up and go to war. And um, some some really fantastic footballers have come to Glasgow and they've been exposed. And um, it's more than a game of football. And uh, and the reason is is obviously with religion, but um, it's not the biggest derby in the world for nothing. Uh, and you know, Tomo's played in some big derbies: the Birmingham derby, Newcastle, Sunderland, few Yorkshire derbies. But uh, no comparison, Celtic and Rangers. It's um, you know, when when this book's going to be finished, there's going to be a few. Obviously, Tomo's um, he's got a few. Celebrity mates like um, Jerry Cinnamon, uh, Rod Stewart, the actor Martin Comston. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a story in this book where Tom O's in, um, he's in, he's in Manchester, I think, at a boxing event. And uh, Noel Gallagher walks in and he says, Alan, can I sit with you? And he's like, Noel Gallagher? How does he know who I am? And I said, Tom O. I'm surprised you're surprised. Mm-hmm. You played in 26 of the, the biggest game in world football, club football. You scored seven goals. You were sent off three times. You've written your, your name in the Glasgow mythical folklore forever. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're a Celtic fan, whether you're Rangers, you know the name Alan Thompson? Yeah. That's, that's very true what you say, uh, James. Everything you say is hit the nail on the head when it comes to obviously living in the Glasgow first bowl. And obviously Scott Brown, the captain, I know he's leaving, but I think he lives in Edinburgh. Um, I, think, I think John Hartson, the team stay in Edinburgh, or he moved to Edinburgh recently. Guys like that, they all moved to the Glasgow right. first bowl. Um, and it's interesting what he says, Robert, personally. For me, like, obviously, guys, the character for these players, um, obviously that new era was full of character, but they were no just characters, they were phenomenal football players and they had that amazing team spirit, which obviously Jamie will also have in the book, Alan will say. Um, but you hear all the stories about the team spirit and the bond and the character and the want to win. And I think, Robert, talking about this season, we've missed the characters uh, have in that under pressure. The problem nowadays, Ryan, is you've got maybe Scott Brown and that team and Alan Thompson and that one else team, you had eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Whereas you've only got one there, and that's that's the problem. I think that these characters are kind of a community of the game. If you look at just the Manchester derby, right? It's meant to be a big derby in England and all that. After the game, they're hugging each other and giving each other high fives, and you think that would never have happened when Roy Keane and stuff is playing and things like that. I, I just think that. I just think nowadays it's I don't know the that side of football is. 
it's dying a death and I don't like to see that side I like to see people still having passion and still having like to fight for their jersey to play for I think a lot of it's just mm-hmm. you know, it's just about collecting their money I think that's probably the problem with football because there's that much here in football you see them up hugging each other after the games and you're thinking you're just played in the second or one of the biggest derbies in England and you've just went in and hugged your mate and you've been beat 3-0 I don't get it it's definitely changed. Um, in my opinion, I don't like it. Um, when we played football, Robert, it, it was always every game was you had to win and you were tackling, and it's no different to any football game, and especially at, at Celtic level, Rangers level. The games you've got to as a but I don't think it's treated like I know was a big big statement, but. That's the way it should be treated. Like it's a must win. You're, you're playing for, as Jamie says, you're playing, and it's wrong to say this, but you're kind of fighting for the religion. That's the way. That's the way the outset is a football and the, yeah. the Celtic Rangers. Um, you're playing for your family, the fans, yourself, your teammates. <clears throat> you're playing for a full, a massive, massive institute a club. Um, and I think Jamie, as he says, and Roberts said as well, it, it is dying a death these days. And I just hope whoever comes in. So the new manager kind of brings that back into the club because we've definitely missed it this season. When you when you go back to the Alan Thompson generation, you know you think of the man. You know you think of the big name players, right? The characters, even if they were foreigners, they knew what it meant. Mm-hmm. They understood the history. They understood what it meant to play for the club. Uh, your Chris Sutton's, your John Hartsons. Uh, oh, Neil Lennon's, Tomo's, uh, you know, even like players like Craig Bellamy, when he come, uh, and even on the Rangers side as well, your Nacho Novos, your Barry Ferguson's, um, you just said something there, Robert, and I thought you're right. How many of them players have played this year? I would say Scott Brown, and I, and I, I and you know, I couldn't even say your Callum McGregor's, your James Forrest. I would struggle at. I think in Scott Brown, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the way I feel with Jamie. Aye, definitely. Um, you know, and I think I think Tomo. Um, I think a lot of what, what the Celtic fans recognised him was the passion. He was one of them. You know, if Tommy Burns was a fan who got lucky, so was Alan Thompson. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, predominantly he was a he was um he was a Newcastle fan growing up. And um, he's, you know, Celtic's a huge part of his life now. And, uh, he, you know, he's, he's, he's loved by so many fans. And, uh, you know, not only did he have a wand of a left foot, um, he was a big game player. He was a player who would tackle a brick wall. You know, he was a player who was prepared to say, right, fuck this. I'm, you know, and, you know, obviously you've seen him getting sent off, which he holds the record. Uh, Tomo, if you're listening, I know, I know you don't like me bringing it up, but um, listen, it's a fact, and uh, lots of people, lots of people remember it, you know. And it, it, I think one one thing in the book he said was um, getting sent off at Ibrox and having fifty thousand people laughing at you, and walking off the pitch, and you know Martin O'Neill not being able to look at him because he he wants to rip his head off, and fifty thousand fans waving cheerio and all this, and. Uh, you know, that's I think that's what's been missing this year. You know, Kieran Tini's went, um, some of the other players that have went missing, you know, and you think it just slowly 
Lee Griffiths was a player who probably had it, but he's, you know, he plays when he wants or when he, is it, is it time for him to be up? Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's not the same anymore. And I think, you know, God, whoever, whoever does come in has got one, one hell of a, a job to literally dissect that team and start again. I think Robert Everton, Jamie just says here's kind of the feeling we've got as well on it. Uh, what we've said in the last few weeks as well that as much as we do feel the talents there in the squad, that just needs somebody to refresh it and kind of rebuild it again. Hundred percent, man. It's lacking in characters. It's lacking in fight. It's lacking in desire. And of all seasons, a season we've failed. Um, but now that it's happened, we just need to take a step back, assess it and be prepared for next season and bring some men back into the team because I think it lacks in men. I think it's a lot of young boys with a lot of talent. But as you say, when the going gets tough, there's need to be everyone their sleeves up and getting what Alan Thompson done. He's seven about it, or a Neil Lennon, or a Chris Sutton, or a Hartson, or a Bobo Baldi. These mm. guys knew exactly what it was to play for Celtic and what it meant to the supporters. And I think they felt the same hurt as the supporters, whereas... Mm. I'm not saying they don't, but to me, looking at some of the players, they don't feel the hurt that we feel after the result. I just don't, I think, Celtic shut, they say, shouldn't shrink to fit inferior players. Well, I think that Celtic shut has shrunk to fit inferior players, and it's now time to get players back into the jersey that it'll fit. Well, he, he's to me, I had, a, <clears throat> I had a conversation with Tom Ord the other week, and uh, one of the, let's be honest, our star player who could get big money is French Eddie. Now, Tomo said something to me, and I thought, you're absolutely right there. He said, you know what, Jamie? He's the, he's the Celtic star or hero. He would not have got anywhere near the Martin O'Neill team, the Seville team. And I thought, you know something, you're absolutely right. Aye, I, I, yeah. I agree with you. As much as I, I'm a big fan of Edward, I, I think he's people disagree with me and people agree with me, but I do think he's talent wise and as well potential. He's the best player in Scotland, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. I know people might disagree with me, but when you look at that O'Neill team, you had Hartson, you had Sutton, <laughs> Larson, that front three was no, no a lot of people in world football would get in that team. Um, especially up front and I agree with you Jamie that what Alan says is spot on or second Tom <laughs> yeah he um, he wouldn't have even made the bench and I thought you're right I, I actually can't defend that and um, you know he's Celtic's biggest um, commodity in terms of yeah. you know he's going to go for stupid well he would have went stupid money a season or two back but is he going to go for I don't think we'll get more than 15 million for him He's certainly not going to go more than what Musa went for. Yeah. Um. You know, I think the season he's just had, he's damaged. Um. He's a damaged product, and he's gone. He, you know. Yeah. He's as good as he's as good as gone. I think his performances this this year, uh, he he hasn't wanted to be here, and uh, you know, it's been criminal when you think we could have signed Ivan Tony. He's just been. He's just broke a record for yeah. scoring the most goals in the championship. We wouldn't pay, um, I think it was five million for him. And then we went and signed, um, was it Camilla or a jetty for five a and a half million? Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and you just think, Jesus Christ, that is just, you know, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a uh, pig's ear. If he's on the Tory situation, I was quite vocal about it to start athlete at the prices where they were first talking, they were saying £10 million for a League One striker. I was thinking, realistically, that doesn't make business sense as much as he's done well. Celtic can't afford to pay £10 million for a peak player. I, that was just my personal opinion. Um, but then when you look at the onset, they're, they're maybe saying £5, £6 million it was, plus add-ons. If that was the price we're going to pay for a Yeti, then maybe it would have made business sense because supposedly Tony was in the building, he was ready to sign, and Tony's words were, well, they didn't want me enough. And yeah. for me, that's... Me and Robert spoke about it, I think, on our podcast recently. Say Edward was the man they wanted to sell and bring in Tony. Edward didn't happen. Why just no sign Tony? They're going for 10 in a row. Buy a two of them. Uh, but I think me and Robert spoke about it. Robert, obviously the ship sailed and... Uh, maybe as one you might look back in hindsight it was maybe a trick we missed we've done a few of them recently Ryan um, definitely the Tony one just broke the record for goals and assists in the championship and it's just you don't want to keep talking about it but it's one of the ones that's going to haunt us for a few seasons I think because as Barry Fry says he's going to be worth 30 million pound and now looking at it um, you can see why he said he was going to be worth 30 million pound because He's the type of guy who's big, strong, physical, scores goals and the assists. And I think we Edward up front, the two of them could have been a, a lethal force, but you can't, you can't think too much about that now. I think it's just it's gone in it. So we just need to try and all think about it. it. You know what? It's going to be another one of them. 2009, um, Celtic, Gordon Strachan wanted to sign Stephen Fletcher, 22-year-old. Yeah. Um, and Celtic wouldn't pay the money. Um, we were ahead in January, and then um, because we never signed him, Rangers went on to win the league for the next three seasons. And uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be remembered. You know what I mean? It's it, we should have signed. We should have, you know. And I, I think Peter Lawwell's done an amazing job for Celtic overall. Uh, but yeah, there's a, you know, it's who's going to come in, and, and it's it's a scary, you know. But we've never been in this bad position since. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Tony Mowbray days, so you're going back what eleven years. Um, Lennon come in and he signed, you know, uh, he, um, Gary Hoopers and all this, and your your Joe Ledleys and and I, and I think this is what it has to be now. Yeah. Uh, what's your opinions on Ed, what's on Eddie Howlard? Is, um, is he going to come? Well, up here, every media outlet is basically says it's a it's a done deal. Um, some sources, some people, I think Robert gets a here and there, and other guys I know say the text me now against the eyes, it's signed. Because a lot of media, I don't know what it's like down in England and whatever else abroad, but here there's not really any other links. Um, they're basically, it's been quite quiet, Jamie, up here. Um, I know there was Roy Keane, the guy Enzo from Man City, and Howard, the three main targets, supposedly. And then I think the guy for Dortmund was rumoured, but I think that was a mere paper talk. Um, but how's really the only guy that's been touted and suppose it's been a done deal for weeks he's just trying to get your staff and because there's rumoured to sign players and obviously that must happen if somebody's behind the scenes but my opinion is me and Robert spoke about him like October, November before he was in like with the job and um, we've been talking about it for a long time saying that 
because he was at a job and maybe we should maybe look at him. I've looked a bit more into him in detail because obviously I'm not playing football anymore because I've retired due to injury. So I've looked at his coaching style and I've written about him. He's obsessed with winning. He's obsessed with I've written. He's obsessed with a project. Um, professionalism. If if you don't want to do what he's doing, if you don't want to go with the club and go with the club ethos, but get out the club, you're not going to bet my club. You're going to do what I tell you to do. I think that's the guy we want, Robert. And I know Robert's maybe I think he's the same kind of wavelength, Robert, aren't you? That he's definitely a good fit for the club. Well, uh, I, I I don't know where somebody says to me or I seen it on a page that a stupid comment about Eddie Howe and they were saying, uh, why, why would you want Eddie Howe at Celtic and all that? I mean, he, he's not interested in the job and if he was going to be any sort of manager, there'd have been in at Celtic. And I'm thinking, do these people not understand football outside that there's contracts at Bournemouth? Now reading Ryan that he's met John Gardner leave there and it's not up to June the 1st. And obviously he wants his own backroom staff, which we spoke about, um, he obviously wants things right before he takes a job. And some supporters, I'm not saying all, but some supporters are just kind of a fickle. They don't realise what happens behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. we've kind of got to know through a friend of mine who's a football agent that tells you a wee bit more in-depth of what actually happens behind the scenes. And everybody thinks it's just a matter of getting up and grabbing somebody and getting them in the next day, and that's it. It's, if you want the right guy, you've got to bide your time and make sure it's done right and everything's right. And somebody says, uh, why would they want to take a Celtic job? It's the worst time possible to take a Celtic job. I would think it's the best time possible to take a Celtic job I because would, you can't get so. any worse, you can't get any worse. You can only go on the up. And we have a couple of players on there. The team could change room, just like the way Brendan Rodgers changed the team room. These players that won tables, predictable tables, don't become bad players. A lot's happened this season that we'll probably never really know about behind the scenes and everything else that's happened but uh, to me I reckon it's a done deal and it will all be announced in time I get that the supporters are anxious and want to know and but I would rather wait a couple of weeks and make sure that everything is spot on and then announce it then something must happen and we don't get maybe the director of football that we want or the scout that we wanted and you, you've just got to bide your time and make sure everything's done right and I think the Celtic board have realised that the amount of cock-ups they've made this season is why they've just sat back, took their time and making sure they get the next thing spot on because, as we know, the next one that we do, whoever comes in, needs to win the league because we're going straight into the Champions League. It's a must. It's a 30 million gamble right away to win the league. Next next year, winning the league isn't worth 3.5 million. It's worth 33.5 million because we get straight into the Champions League. So I think the Celtic board understand that now and everybody's slating them. They're just going to take the negativity and get the right guy in and hopefully everything hits, everything hits a gun running and Eddie Howe's a man and we do win the league. I think that's the, the full thing this season that they've realised they've made too many cock-ups. What about yourself, Jamie? Is there anybody else that you, you had anything else or you just, oh, it's just Eddie Howe you've heard as well? Yeah, it's, it's Eddie Howe down here. Uh, I spoke, obviously, I've, I, I talked to Alan um, Thompson daily, and uh, Tomo knows him very, very well because they did um, him, Neil Lennon, and Chris Sutton, they did the pro licenses together. All right, okay. And uh, he said to me, um, he said he's the, probably the closest thing you could ever get to Brendan Rodgers. 
he's um, he's meth methodical. Um, he's sorry, not methodical, meticulous. Sorry, mm -hmm. um, in the fact that he he's like he runs his ship with military precision, and um, you know I've actually researched him and what he's did. Um, and if you actually really research what that man's done, oh, he's done. Oh, phenomenal. Uh, Roy the Rover stuff, it's it's like freakish. Um, let's be honest, Bournemouth, small club. Um, you know, he was his heart of Bournemouth. Um, you know, to be honest, as a Celtic supporter, I'm getting frustrated. Um, and I'm kind of half of me wants to think, if you haven't bit our hands off, then fuck off then. Mm. Um, you know, but then... It does need to be right. Listen, you're not going to come and take that job if John Kennedy and all these kind of teams yeah. and all these kind of... Right, well, you'll be the manager, but this will be your backward team. He wants his own team, um, you know, because, listen, if he's going to be in the firing line, his life's going to change. So oh. he wants to do it mm -hmm. his way, and rightfully so. Mm -hmm. You know, Martin O'Neill, he had his own. Steve Walford, John Robinson... Um, this book, you're going to, you know, Martin O'Neill is very much the superstar, if you like. Um, he's the lead singer. But to be honest, in that team, Wally and Robbo, as Tom Moore calls them, they were, the, they were the guys who rolled the sleeves up mm -hmm. and they ran Celtic. <clears throat> they ran Celtic. Obviously, Martin was the main man. But um, on a day-to-day -day basis, um, -day basis for training sessions, um, they were, you know, they were the other part of Martin O'Neill, um, you know, and, and and that's obviously what Eddie Howe rightfully needs, uh, you know, because if it goes Pete Tong in six months' time and he's another John Barnes, mm -hmm. it's going to be his fault, um, you know, and he, he he wants to, he you know, rightfully want needs to carry the can, um, you know it. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's um, it's a big job, and um, whoever's going to come in, you know, deserves to be in charge. Because as you say, um, about him having his own backroom staff and stuff, I, I think that might be one of the holdups. Um, so obviously, Bournemouth, he might want Bournemouth coaches who are still on promotion, and we don't know. As Robert says, it's all hearsay, but it's the same up here, Jamie. It's really all Eddie Howe. You've got you've got Kent Keith Jackson, who's I think he gets a lot of stuff off Celtic. Um, I think he's a worry on the journalists that get stuff off Celtic. Um, Having him seen McGibbon, they've kind of reported saying it's just about done. Proven me saying it's done. So I've said as well, I think it's done. So if it doesn't happen in somebody else, a lot of people in the journalist world, pundit world, oh, and fan world will have a bad egg in their face. So it, the chance it may be no happening now, it's funny, as he says, it could turn out sour if it doesn't happen. Because if we don't have a manager in by now, the qualifiers mm. are like 10 weeks, so surely there must be somebody behind the scenes. Um, but again, we can sit and talk about it all day because it's a, it's a big topic. And as he says, obviously, about Alan Thompson, how did uh, how did you actually get into <clears throat> doing the book with him? Because um, as he says, it is quite a big gig for yourself. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm talking to, um, I'm talking to, I mean, obviously, I've done 19, 19 books. Uh, two comedies. Uh, so the most of them have been true crime and boxing. But I've I've wanted to get into football books for a while. 
And uh, obviously, I was talking to Jonathan Woodgate about a year back, um, and he's, <clears throat> he said to me he's got too many skeletons in his closet. Uh, I was talking to Bernie Slaven, who lives near me, uh, Glaswegian. Um, he's got loads of books out. Um, so I can't, uh, I thought I would have had to maybe start off, <clears throat> start off in the low leagues. And uh, I got talking to Alan Thompson, and I basically, I basically, I don't want to sound like, I want to sound like the American Mafia here. <laughs> Because I give him an offer he couldn't refuse. And uh, and I, I, you know, I said to my publisher, my publisher was like, are you sure about it? I said, just shut up. Just give him anything he wants. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I probably, I'd give him a deal that I've never given anybody on the yeah. planet. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've, I've turned some big books down, some box as well, champions. And uh, there was no way he was getting away from me. Um, I didn't want to appear desperate to him, <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, fucking wow, let me write your book. And, uh, you know, we've become good friends. He's got, he knows I'm a bit weird, sense of humour. And, um, <laughs> I, you know, the first, first night he'd come stay at my house, we were drinking till five in the morning. <laughs> um, you know, it was just, because I can talk quite a lot, Um yeah, and it was just like, I just wanted to ask him everything in one sentence. Mm -hmm. And uh, I basically offered him the deal, let him go away, think about it. I didn't want to be too desperate, even though I was absolutely fucking desperate. <laughs> and uh, thank thankfully, he's seen something in me. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 on, I'm absolutely honoured and, um, and thrilled that he's given me the opportunity. And, you know, and, and then, the, you know, once I'm doing, um, I'm going to, I'm sitting down with um, another very well-known iconic player. <clears throat> I can't give away yet who it is, but he might have been the fastest player to ever play for Celtic. <laughs> this guy, this guy was literally like roadrunner. He literally went Mimi when he was running. <laughs> <laughs> So um so anyway and then hopefully this is going to be the start of just going I just want to you know because I've I've kind of I was talking to James English do you know him yeah yeah podcast yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and um, he said Jamie you've completed true crime and uh, I really want to I've arrived and you know my first books have been signed to be two million pound film yeah. um you know I've I'm struggling with anxiety at the minute because um, mm. I'm a workload plus trolls and all this. So I have um, anxiety problems mm. and um, and it's affecting my health. So I really want to, I really want to do the Thompson book and then I want to do the other Celtic players book and I want to say, do you know what? And I want to just, just chill for I'm about. not even interested mm. in, um, yeah, I just, I just want to, I just, you know, it's my 20th book. I was 41 last month. I've got a hundred books in me. And mm. uh, I would love to, I would love to, you know, because I spoke to um when I announced doing the Alan Thompson's book, I let the Daily Record know the Scottish Sun know all the major tabloids. Yeah. And uh, as I thought, they were just literally fighting over who was going to do the story. 
And uh, that's none of my business. It's between Alan Thompson and whoever he goes with. Mm-hmm. Um, good luck to him. I just want the PR for our book and our story. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I've spoken to some of the top journalists in Scotland, you know, because a lot of them... <clears throat> Do you know, do you know, let me just give you this, let me just give you a fact. Um, the Sun was selling 4.6 to 4.7 copies uh, 10 years ago. Now, since smartphones have become a thing, they're selling 600 to 700,000. So a lot of the value and the papers won't pay the top money. Mm-hmm. And um, basically with Tomo, it's, he will, he will, have his pick who he wants to go with. Uh, and, and that's because his story is phenomenal. You know, is his um, 51 goals at Celtic, uh, 158 games, his going back to work at the club. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously all the, the divorce, the, the affair, which was, you know, it's all been covered. Yeah. Um, you know, his depression is up and down, his... Um, Mental health issues, battles, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be more than a football book, and um, this book's gonna be massive. And my boss didn't know who Alan Thompson was, and I said, "Trust me, let's invest heavily into this," mm-hmm. uh, and we have done. And uh, and I want to see Alan Thompson back on Sky. I want to see him because he's my friend, and I've got a lot of love for him. And um, he's disappeared for um. <sighs> You know, since 2012, he's been off the radar. And uh, and I said, listen, you've got to really put yourself out there and we're going to start selling merchandise, you know, mm. like it's like San Memorabilia, Barcelona goals. And, um, you know, I'm sure I speak for you two guys and for probably millions across the world, we all fucking love Alan Thompson. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just an absolute honour and a, a privilege. Um, Martin O'Neill, <clears throat> Martin O'Neill, I spoke to him this morning. Because um, we, we were thinking about who to do for the forward. Um, because a forward for a book should be one to three pages. And what a forward is, it's the most famous, infamous, notorious, most well-known person tied to that man's story. Okay. And uh, me and Tom always spoke about some of the possibles, your Alan Shearer's, your Paul Gascoigne's. Um, and when he said Martin O'Neill, I just said, no. Nah. I said, that's our man. And, uh, and and speaking to Martin, you know, because obviously he's, Martin O'Neill signed Alan Thompson when he, um, when he wasn't having a good time in his career. His, his time with Aston Villa had kind of gone mm. down steep down. And, uh, you know, Martin O'Neill tried to sign him at Leicester, actually. And uh, obviously, Tom Moore signed, um, signed the same day as Didier Gat. And, um, and, and you know, and what a journey it was. So, he, um, you know, Tom Moore's got a lot of love for him. He's kind of, Martin, Martin O'Neill's been like a father figure to Tom Moore, if you like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I personally don't think he would have, you know, you know, what, I was a bit disappointed with Thompson's, um, the way he left Celtic, as I was Chris Sutton. I thought he was better than that. And um, obviously, Gordon Strachan didn't fancy him. Uh, the reasons for what went on are in the book. 
So that will be explained to the readers. But I just think if Martin was still at Celtic, I don't think... I think basically Tomo would have been a bit more respectful, you know, because let's be honest, you know, he was pushed into the reserves and... Yeah. Yeah, it was just... It was a bit sad and he was only... What we hang on to he was loaned out to Leeds at Tom was I'm trying to think thirty I think he was only thirty two. Hey, wasn't um, he too old? He was still he was still kinda very, very like kind of plain age. He wasn't a veteran at the stage or anything. He was still obviously he was still kinda in touch with playing with Celtic at that time. Yeah, you know, I mean, going back that time, guys, you must remember, Aidan McGeady was coming through, Sean Maloney was coming through, and, uh, you know, to be just, like, banished to the reserves, a bit like leprosy when they ship them off to Australia. Mm -hmm. I just thought, I I think Martin, Wally and Robbo wouldn't have done that. And uh, I'll never forget when Chris Sutton, when he left Celtic, he played for Celtic for five and a half years. And he said, I've had a great... I mean, because Chris Sutton's phenomenal with his crit wit. Um, and he said, I've had a phenomenal five years at Celtic. And I think, um, you know, that, that you know, it, that you can read into, into that. Uh, Gordon Strachan was his own man, had his own ideas. Um, but it was just a bit disappointing because Tomo, he left out the side door. And um, there's quite a few sad stories in the book. And uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll let him tell it, you know, but it certainly is an up and down journey. And um, I just think, you know, I, it's just, I, I, speaking to Tomo for the, for the weeks and months, I did. I just, I was really like absolutely honoured to think, you know what, I'm going to really do your story just mate. And um, us three guys listening, we're talking among ourselves here, remember everything he did for the club. So what a player he was. Oh, fantastic player, Jamie. He's one of my, he's, again, he's one of my heroes, obviously. The Larsons, but I did like the way he played and just a, a book the guy. He was, he was, as you say, he was one of your main players in that team. And it's true that um, Robert, what Jamie says about him, that obviously been through his struggles and whatever else, and he's not really been in the kind of limelight at the moment. But because I can remember when I spoke to him, one of the speakers nights, he did say that he planned in. Can I get any coach and stuff? I personally think Robert that he would be ideal for somebody for quite a fit, not that a manager, but he could definitely help a, a lot of guys playing football before his experiences. Well, the players did say that he was a great coach and stuff, and I think he was a good laugh with him and stuff. I think he treated the players with a lot of respect, and he obviously had his serious side to him, but he had a funny side to him as well. And I think that's why Neil Lennon loved having him in a, at Celtic William. Um, I just, as Jamie says, I feel. Celtic sometimes are a bit cool on players. Um, they were cool on him as a player, and then the way he left, obviously, these drink problems. Nowadays, I don't think you would get away with that as much. I think you'd have to see how to help him rather than just banishing him out, like Lee Griffiths with mental health. Um, for all I remember, Alan Thompson, who wore his heart and his sleeve, scored crucial goals. Great cross to that ball, as Jamie says. He, it was a bit like Beckham, how he could pinpoint a cross and a, a cross field ball, a, a cross into the box, and it was just absolute brilliant player for Celtic. And as you said, it might not have been as well regarded as Larson, Sutton, and Hartson, but I'll tell you one thing: if anybody knows football, they'd have known how crucial he was to Martin O'Neill's team, and Martin would tell you that himself. If Alan Thompson wouldn't have been half the team as 
that they would have been. Um, I just loved him as a player. He just, just how he wore his his passion for Celtic or being from Newcastle and that. He just, you would have thought he was brought up Glasgow to be a bought into Celtic and became an absolute Celtic icon hero. See on that, um, Robert, do you, but obviously he played with England while he got one cap, right? I personally think he was one of England's best left-sided players at that time. Um, how he only got four, I think it was 45 minutes ago, Robert. I'm sure it was 45 minutes, Jamie might correct me. Um, but I still believe he still got more caps. Minutes. 60 minutes. Um, I believe, Robert, him, I know Chris Sutton not back to the B call-up, which to be fair, I, I would say quite lately because Chris Sutton's on England B. He was one of... He was one of the best strikers at the time, English strikers at the time. Again, it's maybe, I don't know how these guys get picked. Is it form? Is it if your face fits? Is it what club you play for? What country you're at? But me personally, I think you should get more caps because, as he says, he was a fantastic player at that time. He was in peak form and to only get 60 minutes of a cap. And there's some guys, even these days, some guys that deserve to get call-ups to get call-ups. No, it was a disgrace, but I suppose that's just the arrogance of the English people that obviously look up in Scottish football and say, oh, it's a farmer's league, it's this, that, it's that. People say that. Every time Celtic or Rangers play against these teams in Europe, we either beat them or get a good, good result against them. Celtic's record against English teams is phenomenal. So that's what you've just got to laugh at. All right, we don't have the same money and the same, obviously, financial backing and stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, we can still put up a fight against these teams, as you've seen against Man City just recently. And obviously, Jamie, that obviously keep that for the books. I'm guessing it'll be in the book. But do you personally agree as well that he should have played more for England? Over Hank Spen was a manager, wasn't it? Is that right, Spen? Um, yeah. Spen. Mm-hmm. Do you know something? Alan Thompson. Alan Thompson is the only ever Celtic player to be capped by England while playing for Celtic. And um, basically. There's a full chapter on that, which is going to completely... Everything you said there, guys, is going to completely um, answer all the questions. Um, you know, Chris Sutton should have had at least 25 caps. Oh, what a player. Sam for Celtic when he was, um, let me think, oh, 20, 26, I think he was, 27. Because he was struggling, um, he was, at Chelsea at the time he was struggling. Because I, I was at speaker yeah, and, like, and he was saying he was he was surprised Celtic took him on because he was struggling. He says O'Neill signed him, and he says I think I don't know probably say the same. He just filled him with confidence. He says he, he says I know what you can do. Just go and do your stuff. And I think that players, they players at that time must have thrived off that just to let them have a freedom and just do their job on the park. Yeah, do you know something? Uh, I was, I mean, obviously, Martin O'Neill rang, which is quite funny actually, because I look at my phone sometimes and like Martin O'Neill's ringing me. I'm like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like, And uh, he said to me, he said, you know something? He said, a lot of people will talk about Hart and Sutton, uh, Larson, um, but Thompson was equally mm. as important as them. And uh, Martin absolutely loves him, um, it, you know, and when um when Tomo first went up to to just to have a look around the stadium, you know, I, he, he just basically sat and looked at Martin because Martin's got an aura, mm-hmm. and uh, he just said, "Wow, I can't wait to start playing for this guy." And he just brought out the best. And when you look at some of the players, um, Martin was was a genius, really. 
going to the 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 signing players in Scotland do like Didier Gat twenty seven thousand pounds. Um, people think fifty thousand, but it was twenty seven thousand. Um, more more Silla, you know. There's he he was prepared to sign players to take a gamble. Um, Didier Gat, you know, he was a player who should never have been playing because he was ravaged with injury. See, um, see, see, on that, see, on that, Jamie, you say about him, he's worked at a gamble on players. Do you think that's because he knew what he could do? That he knew he had, he knew he had the magic to, to progress him as a player? Do you think he, he, had, he had that self-confidence well, to do that? What, what he said was, um, obviously Martin was, um, a, lot of, a lot of Martin O'Neill's management came from the great Brian Clough. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, there's so many things in the book that you know um, I've got to watch what I'm saying because uh, Tom will be going mad with me. But um, Martin Candet was learned by the best, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he he took that into management, and um, he was just an unbelievable manage, man manager where he got players who who like like players like Steve Guppy, um, Ulrich Larson. Uh, let me just try to think. There's players who were, should never really been anything, but actually were decent. Yeah. And um, you know, and, and he just had that. He just had that aura when he would go. And yes, Wally and um, Robbo would kind of do most things, but when Martin spoke, people listened. And uh, you know, it, it's um, he commanded respect, as did Brian Clough did, and. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I would love to see Martin come back, give it another season or two. Uh, it's 69 now, and um, I, I think if, if it, I don't know, I, I think he deserves his retirement. He's done it, mm-hmm. you know, he's, um, but yeah, he's he's just been, you know, to, all the way through this book, Tomo talks, because uh, there's, there's a lot of Martin O'Neill in this book. Um, you know, there's a lot of funny, funny stories in this book. Um, there's a lot of kind of like impersonating Martin O'Neill. He, 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 when he would get excited, he would talk really fast in that squeaky Irish voice, and <laughs> he'd have his hand over his voice. And you know, there's a few times when Tomo's done something wrong, and Martin's had his fists, and he thought, "Fucking hell, he's going to put one on me here." But um, <laughs> you know, he was a scary, scary character. Um, but he was just a player who. Uh, yeah, everyone wanted to, to do the best for him. This is what radiates out in this book. Alan Thompson, a Geordie boy. Um, you know, you're going to see, you're going to learn the, in, the ins, ins and outs of what went on at Celtic Football Club from 2000 to 2007. Lads like ourselves were just supporters. We're just, mm. this is our passion in life. And, um, you know, don't tell Alan Thompson this, but I would have probably done the book for free. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> have you, know, you Jamie, see, see on that Tom, did he have any funny pranks that he, he, he created on any players or players had done to him and when he was at Celtic oh, any funny thing if he owned that Jamie he tells you a wee funny one it's a no one I'm sure he told I don't know if I told you Robert but there's a no one between I don't know if it's in the book Jamie between him and Sutton when he put pubes in the water or something is that in it is that in it yeah aye <laughs> And um, I'll tell you this one. I'll tell you this one because it's been in the media. <clears throat> Chris Sutton and Tomo, they lived, they lived in the same street. 
So, um, the the wags, wives and girlfriend thing. Um, they had, you know, yeah, the the young lads have got money, so they used to have cleaners and uh, and ironers. So Tomo had the same house cleaner as Chris Sutton. So Tomo pulled him aside and said, or the woman, and said, look, I'm going to pay you more money now if you put creases in Chris Sutton's jeans. <laughs> and he's like, what? He's like, just, just do it. Just look, honestly, he loves creases in his jeans. <laughs> so he went into um, Barrafields one morning with creases in his jeans and everyone just completely fucking took the piss. Um, you know, but to be honest, in, in that... Um, in that dressing room, if any, if there was ever a joke, it was Alan Thompson, Chris Sutton behind it. There's a really funny story uh, the, where they played on John Hartson. And John John Hartson, I won't go into detail, but John Hartson's irate, ready to go looking for fight for, for someone. And then, and then it's Thompson and Sutton on the phone. Just It's just full of really comical, funny stories. And uh, one thing I think probably why I get on with Alan Thompson very well. Obviously, we're, we're both northeast. Grew up yeah. in the northeast. Um, you know, I grew up in Middlesbrough. Tomo was um, was Walls End in Newcastle. But uh, he's quite—he's a bit of a lad. He—he um, he doesn't mind the odd glass of wine. He likes a prank. Um, you know, he'd come to stay at my house for a couple of. He's, he's coming next week, actually, a week tomorrow. Um, listen, I'll, I'll get him on the podcast, guys. Um, I'll phone him tomorrow and I'll say, I'll make him. Trust <laughs> me. And um, yeah, he, he, he's, you know, and probably next week I'm actually going to... It's funny, actually, because he sends me some stickers up and fridge magnets, Tomo. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on there. Tomo mm-hmm. doesn't say this, but if, if you know, he's known to thousands of Celtic fans as... Something scalper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The derogatory. Um, but, you know, uh, and next week, he doesn't know it yet, but I'm actually, so I've got st- stickers um, and I call my spare bedroom the Thompson Suite and I'm going to fill his bed, I'm going to fill his bed up with just loads of shit. Um, so he's one of the lads, he can have a laugh. And, um, you know, what, what you said, Ryan, I can relate to that about when you go and pay and even Valentine Thompson or whatever. But he is actually, you know, just, yeah. yes, we're all football fans and we're starry-eyed, but he's actually just a genuine guy. And uh, one thing I will say, guys, is, is when this book comes out, I'm going to be touring with him. We're going to be, and even with Alan Thompson. So we're going to do one in Glasgow. We're going to do one in Newcastle. Um, and just all, just all over, but he, he's um, he's very modest, he's very humble, humane, um, and if I could describe him, he's, he's just one of the lads, and, um, you know, I, I can quite understand why he gets on with Paul Gascoigne so well, because mm-hmm. they're quite similar. They've got that kind of silly mentality. Um, yeah. You know, he'll run up and pull your shorts down or something, and, um, <laughs> yeah. and obviously, you know, that Martin always encouraged that in the Celtic team as well. So, but this book, guys, is just going to basically, um, it's going to be a huge book, by the way, um, probably 400 pages. It's going to be a really, really thick book of just everything you wanted to know about the Martin and Elira, you know. Um, yeah. Yes, it talks about the England camps, the Villa, 
the Leeds, the Hartlepool, the Newcastle, the but, but predominantly it is Celtic and rightfully so. It's true what yeah. Jamie says yeah. here, Robert. But obviously Thompson been like a genuine guy because as we said before, you go to some of these events and there's bodyguards and you can't talk to them, you can't touch them, you can't get a photo unless you pay for the photo. And, and obviously, I went with, I think I went with my dad and my uncle, I'm sure my uncle, my uncle, sure, my uncle James, and we get photos of him. And it was, it was just him and uh, it's Hayley, Jamie, isn't it? She's Mrs. Hayley, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Hayley, yeah. Um, yeah. So she was there and she was having a drink, we were talking to her, we were talking to him, getting like 10, 15 photos. And it was up, it was doing the, it was doing the speaker's night, and it was just, it was brought even after the, even, even after the, uh, the kind of, he was speaking. He was having a bite deep people. He was having a drink and eventually he goes on it to go now. And I think what about that again? That just epitomises maybe the guy he is. He's not just a footballer. He is just, I think people don't realise they are just general guys as well. Obviously some football players are the nice people. They are, they are as you said, money yeah. allocated now. And, but he is a genuinely nice guy. And I think, I do feel for me because not just him, but a lot of media outlets kind of portray him in a bad way because he, two or three things that happened and they don't actually portray him is how good they are as a person in football. See, as you say that, Brian, I think it was David Beckham that said that years ago, he says, the media will bulge you up and bulge you up and bulge you up to a high height and then they'll just knock you off the cliff the first thing that you do, Brian. And that's true. That's the portray, they portray these guys as heroes when everything's gone good, but they're always waiting for that one Ran turn or something to go around just can kick them off the perch. That's that's just media. That's just how these people make a living, and it's not the right way to do it. But I'm afraid that's just how they do it. And the media, see, you're you're talking about the funny side of Thompson, and he's, he's probably the Gascoigne, and he's got a very silly attitude. There was a funny story about Gascoigne years ago. Um, I read about when he was with Tottenham, and uh, he booted the ball over the fence. And he says to the gaffer, I can't remember who the gaffer was at the time, he said, I'm going to go and get the ball. There was no gas going. The next day, he come back when they were training, and they come back with the ball, and the manager says to him, where have you been, Pony? I thought you were going to get the ball. And I just thought, that's just comical, that's brilliant. How could you even give him to trouble with that? That's superb, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Do you know, Summit, uh, obviously I've been in the spotlight Um Public spotlight, I suppose, the last four or five years. So I've got to meet um, a lot of my heroes. And uh, there's a saying, never meet your heroes. Uh, I've met a lot of people that I absolutely loved and I thought, what a cock. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, but, you know, people like Alan Thompson, um, people like Josh Warriton, Ricky Benz, they're actually, like them free. they're actually nicer than what you think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a really sad sometimes. Um, I've met oh, so many footballers and boxers and gangsters and all this kind of, you know, because that's my work. I've had to. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I thought, oh, you know, I wish I'd never, you know. And, um, you know, and, and, and yeah, it's, you know, but obviously Alan is, uh, is certainly not one of them. Um, I've met, you know, most people now and... Um, yeah, you know, but it is always heartbreaking when you when you when you meet someone you think, I used to love you and then mm-hmm. you know, you know, yeah, yeah it's sad. So see you're saying that, Jamie. My missus worked in Great Ormond Street Hospital in um, London. So she got to meet a lot of celebrities and that and she loved Gavin and Stacey, James Corden. 
and how he's quite a funny guy on mm. TV. He's dead funny in that. And when he came on to the ward when she was working, she said it was just, it wasn't the same person. Mm. And she actually was so disappointed because of how much she thought he was dead funny and liked his comedy sketches. And she thought, that guy doesn't pretend so out with what he does. And she says that she mm. can't take him serious now. Like she watches him on TV and he's kind of acting all funny. And she's like, that wasn't you. That's no you as a person outside what you actually do. And she was the exact same. I've, I've never had that experience, but just to see, as you say, it must be like you portray somebody as a funny person or a certain character, and then they act so different when I bit you, and you're just you've just ruined it, type of thing. Yeah, I'll tell you a story. <clears throat> right. <clears throat> Um, right, I um, obviously I was well living in Mid I'm in North Yorkshire now, but I was living in Middlesbrough in 2007, and uh, when Henrik Henrik Larsson signed for Man United, Man United travelled to Middlesbrough, and uh, so I went to meet him. Now the Man United players come out, um, and I watch this with my own eyes, right? And there was little kids there. Now, I was only there to meet Henrik. I didn't give a shit about anybody else. Mm. And uh, players like Ryan Giggs, John O'Shea, um, Edward van der Sar went up and down, standing everything. But I seen with my own eyes, the kids shout, eight, hey, 10 year old, Wayne, Wayne, Wayne Rooney, Gary Neville, Alan Smith, and they walked out and blanked them. That's on my son's life. And Henrik was the last one to come out. And I sat and thought, and I thought, if he comes out and does that to me, I'm actually going to be inconsolable. I'll be yeah. fucking depressed. Yeah. And thankfully, come out and he sand everything up and down. And now, I, that's like, but before he come out, I thought, if he comes out and does that, you've just shattered the last yeah. oh, 10 years of my life. Um, yeah. Um, you know, and I've seen that. I've seen them. Um, I have because I've got to meet a lot of people. And, um, you know, I'm not going to name names, but there's certain people I just think, what an absolute cock. Um, yeah. I, you know, because a lot of my work supports registered charities, the Bradley Lowry Foundation. And, um, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, I've sat with people with Rolexes in front of me, really wealthy people, and they won't do stuff for charity. And, yeah, yeah and it, you know, but, um, but Alan Thompson's not one, guys. He's um, he's absolutely awesome, and obviously a Geordie boy is going to be about his life from the start to the finish. But I've said to him, listen, Tomo. I mean, listen, I'm phenomenal on um, Celtic's history. But if I write a book tomorrow on Celtic, no one really gives a shit about me because I'm a nobody. Mm. But if Alan Thompson does his book, done a book called A Club Like Norther on just everything, the ins and outs of the Lisbon Lions and and the, all the stories that I know, you know, all the ins and outs of, uh, there's so many things and that would be phenomenal. And, um, you know, because when I first did, spoke to him, I said, let's just do this book from September 2000 to July 2007. Obviously, you know, I've got to do the full life. But um, if it was up to me, I'd have just did it Alan Thompson Celtic. But uh, obviously it goes to a bit more than that and... Uh, he did more. He did more than just play for Celtic. He um, he he was the Leeds captain for the last year when Leeds were in a really bad place, 2007-2008. Scored some phenomenal free kicks for them as well. Um, I'm I'm going to be with Josh Warrington next week, the boxer. 
and uh, oh, he loves Southampton. Um, who else was there? So obviously, he didn't have a good time at Aston Villa, but uh, yeah, it's um, you know, he, he did stuff at Newcastle at Bolton. Listen, if you think Celtic, that, if you think the Celtic love him, he's probably even bigger for Bolton, they absolutely, absolutely worship him. That's good, isn't it? It's like you forget that he played with Bolton as well, and Bolton were a good team back then. Really good team. Yeah, you know, in my head, Alan Thompson was just Celtic, and that's yeah. it. But you know, I've got yeah. to, I've got to kind of, you know, I've got to be fair to Alan's story and do it justice. Yeah, but there is, there is so many people out there that, you know, I've got. Um, are you on Facebook, lads? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hello? Oh, sorry, sorry, you went off there. Um, yeah, I mean there's a there's a there's a page called a Geordie Boy, which is run by myself, my publishers, and Tomo's better half, Haley. And um, listen, there's a lot of Bolton fans on there who just think literally he was one of the best players in the club's history. Uh, he's, he's he, did, he did do well though, as you say and you just think he's Celtic Celtic um, and obviously Jamie the last bit about yourself and about the podcast obviously how did you actually get into writing um, as, a, as, a, as a, obviously I know your books are on Amazon you've done a lot of books you're obviously a very successful author um, I said to my mum obviously working on and she says Ryan's done a lot of, a lot of, kind of like, true crime. I might get into his books now because he's into all that stuff as well. So, so he might get a wee fall off my mum. Um, and obviously, when's the book coming yeah, out? Yeah, okay. The book, I know you said maybe autumn. Is it maybe autumn? Um, is that going to be in just books? Is it going to be in, uh, is it going to be in audio, Kindles um, and whatever? It's going to be in Kindle. It's going to be in audio. Uh, full shebang. Where, you know... No expenses, co- co- um, just full everything. Whatever Alan Thompson wants, he'll have. Mm-hmm. Because I have that much faith in his story. I, I know um, it's going to go worldwide. It's my 20th book. I've never, ever been as confident with a book yeah. as I have for this. Um, you know, and um, yeah, uh, what were you in now? May. Uh, Tom will probably... Tom, Tom o will probably read the first draft in July. Uh, I think we're looking at a September release on the Kindle paperback October. Um, and how I got in was I watched Paul Sykes at large. <clears throat> um, I watched that in nine years ago, 2012. Uh, I obsessed with him for three years. And I wanted to know what happened to him. So I walked in the story, read the book watched a documentary and written three bestsellers. Um, and then now there's going to be a film and a documentary. So it was just me being, having a lot of energy and being obsessive with, as I am now. And I want to take this passion in, in a, I want to, you know, I've done 19, 19 books in four years and three documentaries. Um, and I want to take this kind of thing into football, but you know, to be honest, Celtic or Scotland, they're yeah. my passions, um, and I, I want to do something similar. You know, I want to do. I'm going to be with Martin O'Neill in a couple of weeks in London, um, and I, I want to say, listen, I'm going to offer you an offer. I'd like to <laughs> offer you an offer you can't refuse. 
<laughs> just you know, buy, so just buy it easy, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Listen, um, you know, listen, guys, I'm just a fan. I'm like you. It's my passion. And I grew up, um, idolised and Frank McAvenny, Andy Walker. Oh, just, I, I was a little kid with the, with the Celtic kit on. And I'm 41 year old now. And um, everyone in the Middlesbrough knows me as, I'm probably still like that little kid walking about with mm-hmm. Celtic, you know. And um, I, I want to bring a, a new... I want to bring a um, a variety of energy into Celtic books. You know, I would love to, you know, Georgie Samaras. My wife loves him. I love him more as well. I love love Samaras as well. I thought thought he was very underrated at Celtic. Um, He was a bit of an enigma, but I thought he was really talented. Oh, he was phenomenal. You know, my dog's name, Georgios. That's how I coped when he left. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, but my wife is absolutely in love with him, and I said, if I get that, I'm going to have an affair with Georgie Summer. <laughs> so, just um, yeah, you know, just listen. Everyone's got a story in them, and uh, if you pull that shirt on for the hoops, you know, I'm I'm kind of talking to um, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm t- Alan Thompson's best friends of um, at the head of a footballer called Peter B. Green. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because he's a Middlesbrough lad as well, and um, I'm taught I live around the corner from a footballer called David Wheater. He played yeah, for yeah. Middlesbrough, and um, yeah, yeah, tall, um, you know, so I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set, I'm gonna arrive in the football world, but listen, if I've got the chance to do Paddy McCourt book, I would jump at the chance, yeah. you know, because. You know, you don't have to be the best player in the world. Listen, if you were, you know, I mean, I was talking to Tom all the other night and I couldn't believe it because we were talking about Paolo Di Canio. Do you know he only played for Celtic 26 times? That's it, huh? To be and, honest, uh, yeah, like, I, because I don't he like was, him because, I don't like Di Canio because he doesn't mention Celtic in his career. Yeah, you know, it's like, um, it's, it's it's iconic because it was only their season. And I thought, you know, and it's, there's so many people over the years where you think, um, you know, I, I mean, Tom was going to introduce me to, he's, he's quite close friends of Scott Brown, you know, he, you know, and it's um, also, he's friends with um, Jackie McNamara, who doesn't live too far from me, mm-hmm. you know, so this is, I want to, I want to just literally go through them like Skittles. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because in my, if it was up to me, I would just literally write every single Celtic player as a book in the world. But um, you know, whether whether you were a legend, whether you were not very good or flopped, you know, we grew up play. I, you know, even we could be like these. None of us yeah. could be. But um, everyone has a story, and you know, when you read a Geordie boy. There's so much, so many ins and outs that I never knew, and I thought, Jesus Christ, I had no idea mm-hmm. being a mm-hmm. modern day footballer was like this. Stories of your Bobo Baldies and Lubo Moravchiks, and you know, fans hating you, and people—it's just amazing. And you think, you think, uh, playing all fame and everything, the money and the women and the—but there's a different side to it, and this yeah. is what the book will um, will expose, guys. This is I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, as I say, I'm, I don't really read a lot of books, Jamie. Um, I prefer podcasts or listen. So when the audio comes out, I'll listen to the audio. But I'm actually, I mean, obviously I know you were coming on and 
just spoke about the book. As soon as you see Alan Thomas about what that will be a belter because as he says, there's a lot of ins and outs of his life and as I say, we're big Celtic fans. I think even Robert, I don't know if Robert these books, but I can just tell me me and Robert listening to you and listening to stories, it's definitely something Robert I think we'll be investing in his, his book. Oh I do I like a book. Uh, the last Celtic player I read was actually Scott Brown's and um I enjoyed it. I I like reading characters' books and Thompson's a character and he's a hero, so I will buy the book. It's a certainty. It's like for going on holiday, I always buy books. Mm-hmm. Either crime books or autobiographies. That's what I buy. That's what I'm into. So Jamie, I may be investing a few of your books. Um and obviously Robert, the last wee bit about obviously about Jamie's obviously successful author. He's working with obviously one of your heroes. Um just the last bit on him. It's just been brought to have him on and his stories for me even I know we're not talking to Alan Thompson, but it's the stories you're saying. It's kind of like he's here always just because of the, yeah. he's one of our heroes and you're saying stuff that we really know about him and his life and obviously he's had a bit of, kind of mental health and that's kind of a big thing at the moment. Um, just a few bits that we don't really know and I'm honoured to have you on and basically get wee sneak peeks because I know a lot of people won't know what you've told us. So for me, it's an absolute honour and I think Robert is brilliant to have him on and to hear his story about his writing now, obviously, what he's doing at the moment with Alan Thompson. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Thanks very much for coming on, Jamie. I appreciate that. Um, I well, just, well, listen, I listen. I'm just saying... Sorry, I'm, sorry, sorry. That, um, you guys listen, guys. Sorry, yeah. on you go, Jamie. So, sorry. <clears throat> um, well, listen, you've got my number now. If you want me on every week, <clears throat> next month, next year, I'm going to have a word of Tomo. Tomo will go on. Uh, let me know when you want him. Um and and you know anything I can help you with? Um, I'm just trying to think. I mean, I'll be speaking to uh, one. <laughs> I'll be speaking to um, <laughs> another Celtic player very shortly. Um, and yeah, listen, I'm uh, I'll uh, I'll be sharing your stuff. So I'm I'm a fan now, guys. So I've got I think I've got you on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to follow my pages, Jamie Boyle, author, and Alan Thompson, the Geordie boy, I'll share your stuff, and obviously likewise if you can. But uh, listen, guys, yeah. I'm you know just just keep at it, and uh, it won't happen overnight. But you know you need to build an empire. It's a bit yeah. like remember when Hitler took over Europe, he did it gradually, and and, and then <laughs> before you know it, you've, you've got one of the biggest pod- selling podcasts in the world, yeah. and. You're making money and all this, and and you know. But listen, I'm I'm a fan, guys. And anything you want, anything I can ever help with, just ask me. So I says we really appreciate any help. And as you says, we're just trying to build and get guests with your cell phone. And as I says, see if we can get we can get the main man on it. For me, been absolute honour, Jim. I think for the first five minutes, I'd be like, hi, hi, Alan. <laughs> because I, even when I met him, I was like, hi, Tom, I a photo. And but I think now because we've been doing the podcast a while now, and I think I'm. We're definitely getting more into it now and we're, we're more relaxed. And as you say, we're just trying to build guys like yourself or even if it's boxers, singers, anybody, obviously, we've got to have an interest in Celtic. But we're just trying to give fans as well different outlets of podcasting. Mm-hmm. And for me and Robert, I think Robert would be interested. I'm obsessed. See, look, you're Jamie, you're having me Alan Thompson's book. I'd be obsessed with that because I'm obsessed. I know, because I only play to up to a youth level myself. So, it's getting to, to know how these players got to that level and how they're still living life today. And I think, Robert, you're the same. It's good to know the ins and outs of these guys' story. 
Definitely, mate. Um, and I say, Jamie, last few words yourself. Uh, we really appreciate coming on. And obviously, I know the book's going to sell hotcakes because, as he says, Bolton fans love him. <laughs> English fans will buy it because it's his English Alan Thompson. Scottish fans will buy it, obviously, for your side. Um, there's, there's probably about five, six, seven, eight, nine million Celtic fans. There's loads. So I think like, you'll do well with the book, mate. And obviously, you've been successful offer. So I can't see that's no success, mate. So I really appreciate your time. Um, Robert, once again, mate, really, really a pleasure to have you on. Jamie, brilliant again, mate. And I'll see you again, lads. Hell, hell. Hell, hell. Right. God bless, guys. Absolute pleasure. Keep in touch. Cheers, Jamie. Well, do, Jamie. Thank you. God bless. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.